Thank you for taking time to listen to this sermon from Hope Church Toronto North. It is our prayer that through this message, you are challenged and encouraged by the Word of God and grow in your love for God and love for others. It is God's desire for us to be members of and regularly participate in a local church under the care of qualified elders. If you are not attending a local church right now, we encourage you to take that step. If you do live in the North York area and are looking for a local church, we invite you to visit us at one of our Sunday morning gatherings to discern if this is the church God is leading you to. All right, if you have a Bible, you can turn to Nehemiah chapter 8. Nehemiah 8, and the title of the message is, Who Does the Word of God Transform? Who Does the Word of God Transform? In Psalm 19, as you're getting there, Psalm 19, verse 7 to 9 says, The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. I'm trying to show you what the word of God can do in your life. The commandments of the Lord are, is pure, enlightening the eyes. This is what the Bible does for the people who open it. This is how the word of God, can, this is the difference it can make. And so we're trying to answer the question, who does the word of God Transform. Who, who, who does this happen to? Who, who's simple and then becomes wise? Some days I feel real simple. You're like, oh, Marv, you're the only one that feels like that. Don't lie. But the word of God can make us wise. So who does it transform? Here's the first answer. The people who want to hear from it. The word transforms the people who want to hear from it. Ezra, sorry, Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 1 says, And the people gathered as one man into the square before, uh, before the water gate, and they told Ezra the scribe, Bring the book. You notice that the word book is, is capitalized? Bring the book. They're unified in their desire. It says they came as one man, unified in their desire to hear from the word. They say, bring the law of Moses that the Lord had commanded Israel. So Ezra, the priest, brought the law before the assembly, both men and women, and all who could understand what they heard on the first day of the seventh month. And he read from it, facing the square before the water gate from early morning until midday (laughs) in the presence of the of the men and the women and those who can understand, and all the ears of the people were attentive to the book of the law, gathered as one man. They want to hear from it. It's obvious. They're like, bring the book, bring the book. If there was a chant, right? We're not going to chant. But if there was a chant, that would be the chant. Bring the book, bring the book. We want to hear. And here's why they want to hear from it. Because they believed it had divine authority. They believe it had divine authority. Verse one, they say, bring the law that the Lord had commanded Israel. They're like, God has spoken to us and we want to hear from him. They don't say bring any book. They don't say bring a Dr. Seuss book. They say bring the law that God commanded to Israel. Here's what I'm trying to show you. The Bible is not just any book. And sometimes it's sitting on our nightstand or whatever it is, if you have a nightstand, or it's on a shelf somewhere, and you're looking at it like it's any book. It's, a, it's next to the cookbooks. 
But it's not just any book, it's God speaking to a people in need. And here's what you gotta understand, all of it speaks. The genealogies, you're like, why would they put them there? Because they speak. Sometimes when you dig into a genealogy, you learn so much about a person and so much about what God can do in people's lives who are like, oh, they're just, they're just names on a list. All of it speaks. The law speaks. The long books speak. Don't sometimes you just want to read the short stuff? Let's go to Jonah again. Short and quick. But Jeremiah takes too long. Isaiah is like, what is it, like 60 some odd chapters? Oh, we're not going to get into that. But all of it speaks. So here's the thing. Don't skip and don't skim. Because God talks through it. They wanted to hear from the book because they actually believed it speaks into their lives. They say, bring the book of the law of Moses. Here's what you got to understand. This was written before they were born. The people are like, bring something that was from way back when. And we want to hear from it now. They believe that what God said in the past could speak into their lives now. That's why they wanted to hear from it. What did Taylor Swift say? We never go out of style. Well, she's wrong, actually. It's the Bible that never goes out of style. I was in a, I was in a coffee shop this week, and the whole playlist was like Taylor Swift. That's where that came from. I was like, turn this off. The Bible doesn't go out of style. It was, it's contemporary. It's always relevant can speak to you now, and the people knew this. That's why they prepared to hear from it. They prepared to hear from it. Look at verse four. It says, and Ezra the scribe stood on a wooden platform that they had made for the purpose. They're like, we wanna hear the word tomorrow, so we're gonna build this platform now. They prepared to hear what God had to say. They prepare a platform. Do you know what we prepare? We prepare our hearts. To go to bed at night. You're going to church tomorrow? Don't stay up till midnight. You find yourself sometimes, you know, see some of you out there, you're just nodding off a little bit. And maybe it's because I'm a little bit boring at times, but other times it's just because you're, you're not, you're too tired. Go to sleep. I want to hear from God tomorrow, so I'm just going to turn this thing off. Prepare your heart. Go to bed. Pray before you come. Pray before you pick it up to read it. Pray for yourself. Pray for members of our church. Pray for unbelievers. Pray for the preacher. I know some of you pray for me, but I wish all of you would pray for me. It's hard every week. Because I, I, I have to preach on things that sometimes I'm struggling to live. Do you know that? I'm just like you. I'm in the, I'm in the fire just the same. And I get up here for 30 minutes or whatever it is. Sometimes you're like, I wish it was 25. Marv, I'm hungry. To serve you. Pray for me. Pray for us that God would speak. And here's this next thing, believe. Sometimes we pick up the Bible and we're like, oh, okay, I'm just gonna give this 10 minutes. But actually pick it up and believe. God has something to say to me. God, God is gonna speak. God will speak to me through this as I hear from him. The people believed. That's why they stood to hear from it. Look again at verse five, sorry. It says, in Ezra, Open the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people. Do you notice that? The word of God is above the people. The people aren't above it. He's on a platform. They're below. The word is above us. We're not above the word. It says, for he was above all the people, 
And as he opened it, all the people stood. They stood up to hear. And remember in verse three, what did it say? He read from it from early morning until midday. They're standing for six hours. Right, again, we dig into the scriptures. We, the Bible has a lot to say to us. Right? There, this is discipline. Nobody's like, oh, hurry up, brother. For six hours, under the word, standing, listening, contemplating, delighting. And what you have here is a group of people who are disciplined, diligent, and determined. And sometimes we don't hear from God because that's not us. We don't put the work in that's necessary to hear what God has to say. This disciplined, diligent, and determined people, this is who we can be. And here is how it might look in your life. I want to be practical. Discipline might mean taking something out of your schedule. I want to hear from God. That thing's got to go. It might come back in a little while, but for an hour, it's got to go. Getting to bed early and getting up early. Reading and listening to the word of God in the margins. You're like, what are the margins on your commute? I know you're busy. On lunchtime. Just finding those spots for those busy moms during naps. I, I mean, I watch Kim with our, with our tribe of children. Sometimes just, so, like she's like, Marv, I, I haven't touched, I, I want to read the Bible, but I haven't touched it in like a week. I'm like, I know, I'm sorry. She's like, yeah, you gave me all these babies. <laughs> but, in the, but then she just started to, in the nap, in the nap time. So sometimes it was me, so Kim works. So sometimes it was me at home suffering. The boys were like, mom, come home. <laughs> but me, in the nap times, in the, in the times that, that are tough. Maybe you're just doing some housework. Turn it on. Get an audio Bible. Just let it flow into your life and trust that God will speak. Here's this other one. Did, uh, what is the next one? Diligence, I think. What did I say? Diligence might mean listening to audio Bibles to get through challenging books. Some of the books of the Bible are, they're hard. Right? And so I'm, I'm, trying, I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to equip you. Just turn, get an audio Bible. You're like, I don't know how to say those names. Just let somebody else say it for you. <laughs> also, use different translations to keep it fresh. ESV, CSB, NASB, NIV, NLT, CEV, the contemporary English version. Just mix it up sometimes. I'm going to spend a year reading from the ESV or a month. Then I'm going to spend a, a, like two months reading from the CEV and just listening and letting God speak in different ways. Try it. What's the last one? Determination. Oh, yeah. Here's this. Ask questions as you're in the text. Sometimes you're like, you know, preachers get up here and they're like, how do they get that? Just asking questions. As you go through the text, what is it telling me about me, me about God and humanity? What are personal and cultural issues that this text speaks into right now? Just asking that as you go. What doctrines or themes is the text highlighting? Next slide. What questions does the text raise? What is the answer to the question? How did God intend this text to affect its original readers? Just simple questions. What are the listeners, what uh, listener needs does this text address? Sometimes you're looking down at something and it's addressing a specific need right now for you. What should I think or feel or do differently after hearing this text? Is that all of them? Yeah. yeah. 
Just asking, working. Next slide, please. Determination might mean studying the same passage for an entire week or month. Sometimes it just doesn't come yet, and you just got to stay in it. I, like I'm, I'm for Bible reading plans and all that kind of stuff, but I don't, I don't chuck that at you all the time because I think sometimes you just need to stay in one spot and just look and observe and just ask God, speak, speak, and just keep going to it. Reading an entire book in one sitting, like Jonah, right? Short. Reading from Genesis to Revelation, just say, I'm going to start from the beginning and go right to the end and see how God will speak to you from his word. They wanted to hear from it. So they locked in. And when we, when we do this, it brings good results. Psalm 1 says, we become like trees planted by streams of water. You become strong and healthy when you get into the word that yields its fruit in season. Things flow, good things flow from your life when you get into the word. The people believed it. That's why they paid attention to it. They believed God could speak. They believed it would speak into their life, so they paid attention. Verse 3 says, the ears of all the people were attentive. I said it before. No one was sleeping. They're like, something is being said here. They expected God to speak. They're attentive. Is that the way you come to Scripture? Attentive, alert, expecting God to actually say something to you. See, they were attentive like this because they knew their lives depended on it. And do you know your life depends on it? Do you know that? That hearing the word, your life depends on it? You're like, you're making it up. I'm not. John 8, 31. Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. James 1, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, here it is, which is able to save your souls. That is the kind of difference that the word of God makes in the life of people who actually surrender and come under it, believing that their life actually depends on it. And sometimes that is actually what is missing in our life, that we have lost the sight of the reality that hearing from God, your life depends on it. Think about all the things you do to protect your life. You get in your car, you put on your seatbelt. Because you're like, you know, driving this, this, seat, this is going to help. And then you look at the word of God and you don't pick it up. We're always, we work very hard to protect ourselves and we lose sight of the fact that God gives you this thing and he says, this will protect you and we don't believe him. And we want to live. All you got to do is turn on your screens and look at the culture and see how hard people are working to stay alive. And God says, receive with meekness, that is with humility, the implanted word that is able to save your soul. And we get up and we just go, some, go to do something else. God says, come sit under the word of God. And we wake up and we're like, it's too cold. And your life depends on it. And I'm speaking to you and I'm speaking to my own soul again because there are times, again, where I just look at it. 
this, here's something crazy. Sometimes I'm, I'm thinking so much about the sermon, I'm like, I got to work on the sermon, that I actually don't read the Bible for myself. That I'm thinking so much about how to speak into your life. And God's like, just spend an hour not reading the passage you're going to preach. Not reading the thing you're going to use to serve. Just reading and allowing me to speak into the things that you're probably not seeing right now in your life, Mark. Because your life depends on it. It's able to save our souls. What type of people does the word of God transform? Here's this next one. The people who understand it. The people who understand it. The word understood and this is just good Bible reading, shows up in verse 2, verse 3, verse 7, verse 8, and verse 12. Nehemiah is like the people were picking up what God was putting down. They understood. Look at verse 2. It says, so Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, both men and women, and all who could understand what they heard. What he's telling you is there's a mixed assembly. Men, women, and children. And sometimes we wonder, can those young hearts understand the deep things of God? Yes, because the Holy Spirit can speak to any heart. Any heart. And so here's the word to parents. Open the book with your kids. Pray that they would understand. Believe that God could speak to them. Here's this next one. Don't be afraid to bring them into the service. I don't know if you notice, but I'm not afraid of a little noise and disruption. But we believe. We believe as a church. And we believe from, because scripture makes it clear that those young hearts can believe and hear and understand what God has to say. And so don't keep the beautiful good works of God from them. Believe that as you do your part faithfully, that God will do his, all the people who could understand the word. And then verse seven says, and also Jeshua, Benaiah, Cherubiah, Jamin, Akub, Shabbatiah, Hodiah, I'm just, I'm just trying, Messiah, Kalita, Azariah, Josabad, Hanan, Peliah, the Levites, helped the people to understand the law while the people remained in their place. They read from the book, from the law of God, clearly, and they gave the sense so that the people understood the reading so that they could get it. And you notice it says the Levites help them. It, it says that they, he gave them a clear sense. Mar, Mervyn Brenneman says, since the people had lived in a foreign country all their lives, remember, they're in exile and they just came home. All their lives, they had lost some of their ability to understand the Hebrew. The Levites had the job of making sure the people knew what was being said they were helping them bridge the cultural gap between the last 70 years in Babylonia with their cultural heritage as found in Scripture. They showed them what the text meant for their present moment. And isn't that good preaching? Isn't that what you should expect from a preacher? 
I'm telling you, if you go somewhere and the book is opened and what is being said makes no sense for your present moment, find somewhere else to go. It must, they, the Levites were like, here's what God said in the past and here's how it applies now. That is what we are to expect from the word preached. And it was a team effort. You're like, where are you getting that? Verse four, go back. Ezra, the scribe, stood on a wooden platform that they had made for the purpose, and beside him, <laughs> I'm gonna try it again, stood Metathiah, Shemaiah, Ananiah, Uriah, Hilkiah, Messiah, on his right hand, and Padiah, Meshahel, Makilja, Hash- Hashuim, Habaniah, Zechariah, and Meshulam on his left hand. There are 13 guys here. And they're all, they're all helping the people to understand what is being said. And here's what I'm trying to tell you. My primary role in this church is to preach and teach, to help you understand the word of God and what it means for you now, but it can't all be done by me. Because you also have the spirit of God residing in your heart. And you also have the book. And if you don't have one, they're in the back. Take one. You also have the book. And you also have insights that, here's here's, here's what's crucial, that I don't have. There are things that you're going to see that I'm not going to see. I was in a video call, I think some, uh, last week or this week, with Sabrina, and Sabrina pointed out something in scripture that I was like, I have never seen that. I have never thought about it that way. And here I am on the video call being ministered to by her and learning. Why? Because she has the spirit of God residing in her heart and is able to see scripture and tell me how it applies to my present moment. And so if you're, if you're coming here hoping and depending upon me alone, trust me, it's not going to go that way. I can't do it by myself, nor can the other elders. It's a team effort together, helping one another understand the word and walking and living out the word together. That is what God wants. And here's the thing. When we understand the word, it touches our conscience. See, my mom's awake. When we understand the word, it touches our conscience. Look at verse 9. It says, and Nehemiah, who was governor, and Ezra, the priests, and the scribe, and the Levites, who taught the people, said to all the people, this day is holy to the Lord, your God. Do not mourn or weep. The people are crying. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people wept as they heard the words of the law. And then he said to them, go your way. Eat the fat and drink sweet wine and send portions to anyone who has nothing in need. Look, God's not, afraid, like, not unhappy with you having some good food and a nice party at your house. And if you're having one, call me. I'll come. And send portions to anyone who has nothing ready. Not only do you get things ready for yourself, but also bless other people who are not ready yet. For this day is holy to our Lord. And do not be grieved for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites calmed all the people saying, be quiet for this day is holy to the Lord. Do you notice how much they keep saying this day is holy to the Lord? Calm down and do not be grieved. What you got to remember here is when they say bring the law, bring the book 
of Moses, they're reading from the first five books of the Bible. And that means they're learning about the fall. They're learning about God's Ten Commandments. They're learning about the people's disobedience and rebellion in the wilderness. They're also learning that the broken wall that Nehemiah showed up to fix, that this exile that they were in was actually because of sin and disobedience. And so their heart is breaking. Here's why. Because as they hear all these things, they're seeing themselves. And doesn't that happen to you when you read scripture? Don't you see, your, don't you see yourself in Solomon trying so hard? to find pleasure in everything, trying everything, using all his money, saying, oh, I'm just gonna try this, and I'm gonna try this, I'm gonna try that, and then what does he end up with? An emptiness, an empty feeling, no joy. Don't you see yourself sometimes in Naomi as she is struggling through the trials of life, battling, trying hard not to be bitter with God as she sees how hard her life has turned out? Don't you, don't you see yourself in the people? Don't you see yourself sometimes as you're reading through Judges and you see Samson, he's just impulsive. You're like, what's wrong with this guy? Then you're like, I'm like that guy. Don't you see yourself? And don't, don't, doesn't it sometimes bring you close to tears? You're like, Why, how can I behave? God has done so much for me. But here I am again. Don't you see yourself? They're crying because they know they're just as sinful. But look, again, look at verse 9. It says, they say, do not mourn or weep for all the people wept. They say, they say calm down. Do not mourn or weep. And they say, this day is holy to the Lord. Three times. It's the first day of the month. And in Leviticus 23, they're commanded to celebrate the Feast of Trumpets. And do you know what comes 10 days later? You don't. It's okay. The Day of Atonement. They celebrate the Feast of Trumpets, and then 10 days later, the Day of Atonement comes. And Raymond Brown says, on that day, the atoning sacrifice was offered. The scapegoat who would carry on itself all their sins to a solitary place. Here's Leviticus 16. It says, And Aaron shall lay both his hands on the head of the live goat and confess over it all of the iniquities of the people of Israel and all their transgressions, all their sins, and he shall put them on the head of the goat and send it away into the wilderness. The goat shall bear their iniquities on itself to a remote area, and they shall let the goat go free in the wilderness. It shall be a statute to you forever in the seventh month, on the tenth day of the month. You shall not work either the native or the stranger who sojourns among you. For on this day shall atonement be made for you to cleanse you. You shall be clean before the Lord from all your sins. That's why they're like, there's nothing to cry about. Because all this sin that is coming clear to you has been atoned for, has been taken care of. You have repented of your sin. Here's the thing. Scripture is going to show you your sin. And that's why some people don't want to pick it up. They don't really want to know who they are. And the people are weeping because they're only thinking about half the story. 
Yes, they're seeing their sin. Yes, you will see your sin. But you have to remember the whole story that your sin is covered. Because Jesus, the scapegoat, carried it to a remote place and took it on a cross so that you, yes, if you cry, it should only be tears of joy. Because all is right between you and God. And so when they're like, calm down, we're like, huh? But they're like, everything is all right. Everything is good because Jesus has taken it for you. He's carried it to the cross. And all is right. And all is well. And I want you to, want you to know the people, the people, eventually, they get it. They celebrate. They see what God has done for them. Verse 12 says, all the people went their way to eat and drink and to send portions. This is verse 12. To make great rejoicing. Why? Because they had understood the word that were declared to them. They get it. They're like, yeah, we're going to stop crying because we're in a good place with God. Do you get that for your life? Do you understand that? That you're in a good place with God. If you've repented and confessed your sin and sought forgiveness, do you know that you're in a good place with God? That God is actually pleased with you? That God is rejoicing over you? That God is proud of you? That God loves you? You have done what he has called you to do. If you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you of all your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. I wonder if there's anybody in here who knows they're clean. Washed and waiting. And they say to the people, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Some of you don't have the joy you should have in your life because you keep looking back on what you have done rather than standing in your present moment. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Walk in the joy of the Lord. Walk in the forgiveness that God has given you. Hold, don't let the devil lie to you. Don't let your flesh deceive you in thinking who you were, who you once were. If anyone is, I'm just, God is just, this, I'm just, there's more stuff that I'm supposed to say in the sermon. I'm not going to say it. I'm going to stop here. Because I think we need to hear that. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. And I think God knows your heart, needs that word. Because we get so stuck in what's back there. And we, we act like the people in the text, crying, 
the wrong kind of tears. There's nothing wrong with tears if they're the right kind of tears in this, in this context and situation. Tears of joy. Tears of celebration. Tears that lead to worship. Look at verse six. It says, and Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, amen. Here's a group of people that's not afraid to make noise in church. <laughs> Lifting up their hands, and they bowed their heads in worship to the Lord, their God, with their faces to the ground. Here's a bunch of people who aren't afraid to move around in church. No lie, sometimes I'm looking at you guys, I'm like, come on. What it, when, why are they doing it? Because Ezra's like, the great, bless the Lord, the great God. And isn't God great? The stuff I just told you, isn't it because of God? Isn't it because of his goodness, his greatness, his work in your life? That you're washed clean and waiting, that you should be crying tears of joy, that you should be walking in the strength of God? It's because of his goodness. And it should lead you to a place of beautiful and humble worship because of how good God is. And because I know the word touched your heart, I want you to stand because we are going to give God the worship he is due for the work that he has done in your life and my life. And so Father, we give you praise and we give you glory. because we have been forgiven because of the precious blood of the Lamb. We have been forgiven, Lord, because your Son, who is worthy of all praise, carried all our iniquities to the cross, took it to a far place, far away from us, took it all on himself, so that we could stand here in mercy, so that we could stand here in grace, so we could stand here as people who know we have been made new. And yes, Lord, there's up and down. Sometimes we fall back into those old habits, but I pray you would help us to see and know our true reality so we can fight from a place of victory, so we can see more victory in our lives in the area of sin. Lord, we can win against the flesh and against the enemy because your spirit is in us. And the scriptures, Lord, when we open it, show us the way, Lord God, the way you are, who you are, and the way you empower us to live the kind of life that we can live. Lord, you can transform us through your word. Help us to get into it. But I pray, God, that as we get into it, we would find ourselves, yes, in the story. Yes, people who are struggling, who are going through the ups and downs, but people who have been made new. And we would find ourselves also seeing your greatness and your goodness. And it would bring us to a place where we would say, like Ezra, God is great. And we would not be afraid to say amen. We would not be afraid to lift our hands. We would not be afraid, Lord God, to give you the praise that you are due when we see your beauty and your goodness in Scripture. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 
For more resources or information about Hope Church, visit hopetorontonorth.com.